Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons Podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. Good morning, church. It's another happy Sunday that we are here to hear the Word of God. Uh, For those who don't know me, my name is Gift. And that really is my real name. I get a lot of questions asking me, is that really your real name? It is my real name. Another question that I get from people is, what's your originality? My originality is Kenya. Uh, Kenya is a country in Africa. I am really thankful for this opportunity to come here and share the word of God with you. I don't know what Adrian was thinking, where I come from. It is as the spirit leads. So we could be here for another three or so hours um, and you can blame Adrian for that. So thank you very much for letting me into your homes to share the word of God with you. I am very thankful for this opportunity. I wanted to share um, this word of God. Um, My daughter Crystal will be reading the word of God after a while, but I wanted just to say uh, I have named my, 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 uh, my, the topic of my discussion today is I've named it Wake Up Jesus. And Christo is going to read for us uh, from the book of Luke chapter 8 about Jesus coming the storm. Here go, Christo. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly, the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. Thank you, Crystal. I have named, like I said, I named the topic of my discussion, Wake Up Jesus because Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And this is a really good story. So I had children really early in life. In my later life, God blessed me with Crystal. And um, Crystal was a very energetic, um, very uh, active baby. She was the most difficult baby to look after because she was everywhere. You had to know where Crystal was. She, from the time she could crawl, which she did from the time she was three months old, you had to know where Crystal was because she was very, and she would pull down things. And she, mostly her brothers looked after her. So the brother had discover, discovered a way of getting away from Crystal if they wanted to have a rest. What they would do is we lived in a house near the church here. Um, and that was a builder's house. And you know how builders do their church, their houses? This is finished here, this is fixed there, this is unfinished there. This house that we lived in was a double-storied house. It had fully carpeted stairs, except the stairs had no rail. So as you're walking up the stairs, you had to really balance your walk really well, otherwise you could fall off at any time. Now the brothers of Christos discovered that if they wanted to run away from Christos, they were too tired looking after her, they would run up the stairs and go up to their bedroom because Crystal could not crawl up the stairs. Now one day they did that and after about five minutes they had someone pushing the door. It was Crystal. She had discovered 
how to go up the stairs. In the day Crystal discovered how to go up the stairs, our nightmare began. Because then Crystal, once in a while, you'd see two feet dangling up there, you know, two feet above, just about to fall off. Because she had no idea of danger. And so everyone had to know where Crystal was. So one day I came from, I don't know where I came from because I don't think I had gone back to work. But I came into the house about five o'clock and my house was deathly quiet. And I thought, what have they done with my baby? Because I couldn't hear Crystal. I knew she would not be asleep at that time. I could not hear the brother shouting, Crystal, Crystal. I knew something was up. I opened the door in a panic. And lo and behold, sitting right in front of the TV, eyes glued on the screen was Crystal. I asked the brothers, what's going on? And they said, Mom, we discovered this group of people. They're called the Wiggles. I said, I've seen them. There's CDs at the supermarket, not at, sorry, at Coles, no, sorry, not at Target. I never looked at it. I said, they are a children's group, and Crystal loves them. So the next day, Crystal's sister and I, we went to Target. We bought every Wigo CD. We bought every Wigo DVD that we could find. We had found a way of keeping Crystal quiet, and we were going to use it. If you had a child 15 years or so back, you would know that there was a guy, the purple guy there was called Jeff, and he was always asleep. And every once in a while, the team would uh, come up and say, wake up, Jeff. And Crystal loved doing that. And we found something. So I decided to, to uh, title my message today, Wake Up Jesus, because Jesus was asleep in the boat. The story as has been read by a crystal to us is found in the, in the three uh, synoptic gospels. So that I, I always look at that and I don't know, maybe that's just me. I love it when stories found in Matthew, Joe, um, Mark, you know, John. I like it when it's found in all those gospels. This particular one is found in the three gospels. It is Jesus telling his disciples, let us go the other side of the lake. Let us go the other side of the lake. Jesus planned this According to Luke, Jesus planned this journey. So they got into the boat and they set out to go to the other side. You know, before this, the disciples had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen him heal the sick. They had seen him drive out demons. They had seen um, uh, evil spirits shouting out at him, you are the son of God, and obeying his commands. They had seen a side of him that was actually meant that he was more than man. He was, he was more. They had seen that part of him. So when he had, when he told them, let us go the other side of the lake, they obeyed him and they got into the boat and they went with Jesus. But on their, on their, on their journey, suddenly they were hit by a storm. I guess the story here for me is that Jesus planned the journey. Jesus asked them to do it, but they were hit by a storm. You know, the fact that God has asked you to do something does not guarantee that you will not be hit by a storm. The, God, the fact that God has put you in a place and you are so convinced that this is God's calling for you, there's no guarantee that things are going to work out the way, you know, the way that you want, you want it to work or the way that you thought God had planned for it to work out. Sometimes in the course of doing what God had done, had asked us to do, we meet circumstances get onto the way for us. Sometimes there's no guarantee that our, our destination time is guaranteed. Sometimes there's no, there's no, you know, we, we, we struggle on the way, even though God has asked us to do it. The disciples had been asked by Jesus to get into the boat and go the other side. 
they were hit by a storm. And I, I, I love stickers. I love, um, I love, I love looking at what people put on their, on their, on their cars. I'll tell you the story of the sticker later. But I just wanted to uh, remind people that sometimes God will ask you to do things. Sometimes God will ask you to trust Him in things. Sometimes God will put you in places. There's no guarantee there that God, that 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 everything is going to work as you as you have planned it. Everything will work as God has planned it. The disciples were in the boat with Jesus. Jesus was sleeping on the job. And so, um, among these people that were in the boat was Peter, John, and Andrew, the fishermen whose lives were actually lived in water, or rather on water. They had, they, I'm sure this was not the first storm that these people were going through. I'm sure there had been uh, cases where they had been hit by storm before. But on this particular time, they were in a storm. And I was wondering, why were these people afraid? Their lives had been lived on the water. Why were they afraid? Why were they afraid? Why were these people afraid? And so I come back to the story of, of stickers. I love stickers. Every time I see a sticker on someone's car, I, I tear after them. I want to read the sticker. And especially if it's a Christian sticker, I always love reading it. And so I am I'm very best by, by some of the stickers that I see on the road. So I want to tell you a story about back, back in my home church. The, one day the pastor came to me and he said, we want you together with other sisters to go and pray for another sister who was sick in hospital. And the problem was this, this sister lived two hours away and none of us owned a car. So we had to go by what you call a public service vehicle. There are mini buses and they are driven as fast as they can go. Sometimes these things can go at 200k an hour. And, and so we got into this um, uh, um, public service vehicle and we were going as, as they do, 200 k's an hour. And at that particular time, I was petrified. I was crippled by fear. I did not know where I was, what, what was happening. I just thought, I'm going to die. I could not, I could not hear, I could not see, I put my head down and at that time I was doing every prayer, I was doing prayer of repentance just in case I die, I need to go to heaven, I was doing prayer of, you know, God help me get there safely, I was asking God, you told me you were going to, you are the one, I did not ask to be, to do this, you sent me there, you need to look after me, I was threatening God and at the same time pleading with God, at the same time, you know, saying, I'm in your hands. So in the course of this, in the course of this, I lifted up my head and right in front of me was a sticker that said, be cool, Jesus is on the wheels. And I said, that ain't Jesus. That crazy driver driving there is not Jesus. I was so sure that that driver was not Jesus. And, but that, that sticker did not give me any assurance. The fact that the sticker was there said, be cool, Jesus is on the wheels. I was so sure the crazy driver was not Jesus. And that sticker did nothing for my fear. The disciples were in the boat. People who had lived in their in their in their water on the water did their their everyday work in the water, but they were afraid. I was here, you know, prayer warrior. I chose it to go and pray for a sister who was, you know, sick in hospital that they could get well. I was afraid. 
you know, fear strike people and st fear strike really strong and faithful men. People who have, who, who, who in the Bible is full of people who are strong and faithful and God-believing, yet at one point of their life they are struck by fear. At one point of their life, and fear cripples us. The things that we do not know, things that we cannot control, the things that we that we ha we cannot see ahead of, cripples us. We we come we become paralyzed. We cannot hear. We cannot see. We cannot even feel the presence of God in us. We are crippled by fear. The fact that we do not know where we are going or we cannot see in front of us that cripples us. The uncertainty, the uncertainty of the things that we cannot see, the things that we cannot control. When you are in the doctor's office and the doctor say, look, I don't really know what's wrong here. That brings fear. When you are in the doctor's office and the doctor says, look, this is, doesn't, look really, doesn't really look good. That brings fear. When you do not know how safe your job is, that brings fear. When you do not know how, you know, if, if you are capable of paying your rent or your mortgage in the next few weeks, that brings fear. Uh, T.D. Jakes um, says, uh, preaches something that people always pray for things that they don't have. In Australia, we do not, the things that we do not pray for because we have them. In other parts of the world, they will be praying for that. In other parts of the world, lack of water brings fear. In Australia, that doesn't bring fear to us because we have water running from a tap. But the things that we cannot see or we cannot control brings fear in us. The root of fear is connected to what we are ignorant of. The root of fear is connected to the things that, um, that, that, that are not normal to our circumstances. But I wanted to say that you know fear will cripple you. Fear cripples me when my ability is centered on me. When I think I can do this, when I plan to do this thing on my own and I walk out to do this thing on my own, fear cripples me. Fear would not cripple me if I have trusted on someone. If I think, you know what, Adrian would do this for me, or the church elders would do this for me, or the other pastor would do this for me, that takes away fear from me. But if, I'm, if everything is centered on my ability to make a decision and do it, that brings fear to me. We must choose to tap in the truth of God. So let's let's go on with the story. I wanted to, so some um somewhere in the I'd say the, the story where the disciples are very afraid, uh, that kind of got me thinking, and that is where I bring up the fact that these were people who had lived in water. But somewhere in the book of Kings, I think it's in the book of Kings, uh, Second Kings, chapter one, verse fifteen, um, around that area, you can read that. Uh, at your own time. The king, King Ahaziah, he was in bed and he thought he was going to die. So he sent his messenger, he called his messenger and told him, Can you, if you could go to the god of, uh, to Baal-Zebub, uh, the god of Ekron, and ask him if I will live or if I will die. And the Bible says that an angel of the Lord appeared to Elijah, the Tishbite, and told Elijah, go and meet those messengers and ask them to go ask the king, was there no god in Israel? that you are going to another God? Was there no God of Israel that you're going to, uh, to to look for your fortune from the God of Ekron? And as a result of that, you are going to die. 
So the story continues where, because this Elijah had told the king he was going to die, the king was looking for him. So he had gone and he hid. And so the king sent messengers with, um, to Elijah. And the messengers, 50 of them, came to Elijah. And they called out, man of God, the king is looking for you. And Elijah came out and said, if I am man of God, let fire come down and engulf the whole lot of you. And 50 of them died from fire. The king sent another 50 of, 50 messengers. These people know, this ones here, knowing no better, had exactly the same message. Man of God, the king is looking for you. The king wants to see you. And Elijah said exactly the same message. If I am man of God, let fire come down and engulf the, the, the whole lot of you. And the fire did that and the 50 men died. The king sent a third entourage. These ones knew better. They came and they said, please spare our lives. We have wife and children waiting at home. Please do not kill us. But the king has sent us. Please come see the king. And the Bible continues to say that Elijah, the angel told Elijah, do not be afraid. Go with them. Go with them. And so this story, I think about it. Elijah was a man of God sitting next to an angel with um uh, with access to fire from heaven that can come and sweep people dead yet he was afraid of king the king fear engulfs strong believing god-bearing men fear is no respecter of us but fear is a respecter of the god that we trust in And so the story continues that as the, as the storm was beating up, the disciples called out from the reading that Crystal had done for us. The disciples called out and they called to Jesus and said, Master, Master, we are drowning. And the Bible says he got up and he rebuked the raging storm. And the storm calmed down. You know, there's something powerful about calling on the name of Jesus when you are in a storm. There is something powerful in that name that when you are in a storm, you can call us a master. I am drowning and Jesus would come up. The crux of the story for me there is that the disciples call out, master, we are drowning. There's something powerful. We in the world, and more so we in the West, are taught to call on everything else except the name of Jesus. We are always conditioned to call on everyone else but the name of Jesus. We are conditioned that if, if you are sick, you call on if you If you are going hungry, if you don't have a job, if, if, you know, if things are not going, if you are not feeling really well, you are always conditioned. Every this all, all publication, the government um, links that sent you to all these people. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong in calling all those people. There's nothing wrong in calling on Centrelink if your job has gone. There's nothing wrong in calling on Medicare when you're not when you're in hospital. There's nothing wrong with those. Those are things that we are privileged to have. But I'm saying that the name of Jesus is a place that we can call out to in a storm. There's something powerful in calling the name of Jesus in your storm. There's something powerful in calling the name of Jesus within your storm. Because Jesus, 
The Bible says that the confidence that we have in calling, in praying, in calling to God is that he hears us and when he does, he answers us. Jesus told us that I am going to the Father. You can now ask anything in my name and I will do it. And I know that's a catchy, that's, that's, that's something that people always say, yeah, but I've done that and I've done that and I've done that. But we have a story here that says the disciples called out, we are drowning. And Jesus had in our in our storm when we are so blinded by you know by fear by frustrations by desperation and we are by our tears we no, may not be able to see until we get to the other end of the, of the tunnel where we call out Jesus and you know this Jesus when we call on him he will hear you we must choose to tap in the truth that God defines us, not by what we know or how strong we are. That's not the way God defines us. God does not define me by my strength. I cannot do it on my own. God defines me by my trust in him. Paul says, in my weakness, I am strong. When I am weak, I am strong. Paul says, continues to say that God has chosen the weak things of the world to ashamed the strong. In my weakness, God makes me strong. A song that says, your love makes me brave. I said before that fear has strength in us if our confidence is in us. If our confidence is based on our ability, fear has, has strength over us. And then... Um, I wanted to finish that when Jesus, when the disciples call out on Jesus, he calls them, it says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? When the angel tells Elijah, go with them. You know, God, Jesus calls them men of little faith of good. Where is your faith? But he does not leave them there. He comes the storm. So I am very aware that right now, Things, some things, and things are not well with everyone. There are people. We have people in our in our in our lives who are not doing so well. Some of them have lost their job because of the condition that we are in, because of the lockdown. Some people's business are falling because of this thing. And I know there's desperation and frustration going on with people. And I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge the fact that it is not that easy for some people to to, to call out, "Master, I am drowning." But I want to tell you that there is power in calling the name of Jesus. There is power in calling on the name of Jesus. Even when, even when, even when you're not too sure. You know, people, uh, sometimes I wonder how the, the, the woman with, um, uh, with the flow for 12 years thought that if I could only touch on his, on his I'm sure that she, she knew the power that was in Jesus. And all she wanted to do was reach out into something. Even when you are not too sure, even when things are not working, even when I've done this before, try the name of Jesus. Try his name. Try calling him and saying, Master, I'm drowning. Try it. You have nothing to lose. So when the, 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 um, the storms come, the disciples who had been with Jesus, who had seen him heal the sick, who had seen him drive away demons, who had seen him do miracles, they had a new dawning. They said, who is he? 
who is this guy? Even the wind listens to him. Suddenly there was this realization that, you know, I have been, we have been around this person this long. We did not know him. Who is he? We touched him and we did not know him. Who is he? We have been around him so long that we didn't know him. Isn't it not funny when you are in the storm? Sometimes that happens to you. And then when Jesus comes down the storm, you get a Jacob realization where Jacob said, God was here all the time and I did not know him. I did not know. God was here all the time and I didn't even know it. Canon J. Jones, an English preacher that I love listening to, he says, trying times are not the times to stop trying. You're in a trying time right now. Don't stop trying. Trying times are not the time to stop trying. Let me finish with this story. Somewhere in the book of Genesis, after the floods, Noah wanted to know if the floods had subsided, the water had subsided. So he sent out a raven. And the Bible says the raven went to and fro, but the raven did not come back. So Noah sent out a dove, and the dove finding no place to perch, the Bible said that the, the, the dove went around, had no place to perch. He came back to Noah, and Noah opened up the window and pulled, him, pulled it back into the boat. And I've always wondered, where did the raven go? What happened to the raven? Why didn't it come back to Noah in the boat? But, and then I discovered that the raven is a vulture. It feeds on dead things. And there would have been a lot of dead bodies floating in the water. There would have been a, dead, a, a lot of dead animals floating in the water. The raven may have perched on them. The raven feeds on filth and on dead meat. The enemy has a tendency of taking, getting us out of the boat and feeding our heads with filth and dead meat. He brings us conversation and tells us how we can't, how it is impossible, how this has happened to so and so, how this is going to happen to you because of this, how your, your, your path is blocked because this was, you know. The enemy has a tendency of being a raven in our head, bringing dead conversation, filthy things that do not align with the promise that God has given us. But you know, our father is like Noah. When we have nowhere to perch, when we have ran around everywhere and asked for asked for um, information and asked for help from everywhere everywhere else and has not received any help, our father is like Noah. He will open up the window and draw us back into the boat. When we have ran around, when we have nowhere to perch, think of the dove. It had nowhere to perch. It remembered the boat that had safety. Think of the safety that is in Jesus' name today. Think of the assurance that is in Jesus' name today. You know, God say he's not a liar. He said, as I have said it, it will be so. When we have nowhere to perch, remember we have a safety in the Father's boat. He will open up the window and pull us in. 
Listen, we worship a God that is all-knowing, that says he's all-powerful. Surely he knows where I am in the, in the storm. Surely he knows my position in the storm. Surely he knows where I'm not standing in the storm. Surely he knows when I'm falling down in the storm. This God tells me that he's all-knowing, that he's everywhere. This God tells me that he's all-powerful. We will get there. Some of us may get there with our anchors torn and our rudders broken. Some of us may get there limping. But we have a name in Jesus. We have the safety of the name of Jesus. The name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the son of God to the glory of God the Father. We have a name in Jesus. His promise to us is that those who trust in him, we will soar with wings like eagles. We will never be tired. He will renew our strength. That is our promise. That is the promise of heaven. That is the gospel of truth. That is the truth of heaven. God sent us his name on it. God sent us his reputation on it. He said, I have such fear for my name and i will do it for the sake of my name he will do it for the sake of his name you know call on him and ask him tell him you said you said you are not a liar you said when i call unto you you will show me great and wonderful things that i do not know that i have never had you said it god you are not a liar you said you are not deaf to my hearing call on to him he said i have sent my name on this the truth of heaven It never fails. And I'm praying that it does not fail with you today. I pray that it does not fail for you today. May the God of grace be with you. May he look after you. May he hold your hand when you're falling. May his face shine upon you. And may he give you the assurance that only him can give. So thank you, church. I would like to finish with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word has gone out forth. Your word has gone out to your people. I pray, Jehovah God, that you have used me as an instrument to let your people know that you are a father in a boat, that when they have nowhere else to go, they can call on to you. But I do realize, Jehovah, that there are people who are struggling with this information. They're struggling with, you know, with the, they, they, they have called out and they have not heard from you. And I pray, my Father, that you stretch out your powerful hand and you touch them in your grace and in your love and in your mercy. That you be the voice that they hear today, my Father. That not the voice of the devil, he's a liar. He's a liar. He brings lies. But I do know, Jehovah, that you are the God of truth, that you will send your spirit to speak truth on your people today. That your word, as you say, that your word that you have sent must accomplish what you have sent it to do. It must never return to you void. Let your word, my Father, be truth today. Let the spirit of truth speak in your people's mind today. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have asked and we have believed. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for allowing me to come into your home. And I pray that this message means something to you, that God uses this to do his will in you. Thank you so much and God bless you. Amen.